years ago won't buy much of anything here today. Why the millennial gen less than three it is and people are going to start rioting in the streets was reported to have asked putin for military support that would help him stay in power we will make america safe again and yes together we will make america great again and ignore him and eight more years goes by till bernie himself finally admits to his sons hey i've been running a party scheme does its dominance mean it can use the alliance for its own ends? Since 1981, bond yields, also known as coupon rates, have just gone down and down and down. The Federal Reserve note will be your biggest financial liability. We're live. RTD Live Talk. Detroit's number one late night YouTube talk show. Get started a little bit late, but once again, got another uh, interesting topic that I think we should cover. So looking forward to having some good back and forth as long as everything flows smoothly on my end. Other than that, I'll give it a second, give more people time to be notified because as of now, I haven't been notified for my own stream yet. Therefore, there's a little bit of a delay or a hang up or perhaps the subject matter is so important that not too many people will be notified this evening because of the impact of tonight's topics. But that being the case, got to keep moving anyway. So with that being the case, welcome to the live stream for those that are here. My name is Mike, the host of Detroit's number one late night YouTube talk show. Looking forward to having some great back and forth. Thought a couple of articles with uh, to you tonight and get your thoughts. And uh, as always, if there's anything else worthy of talking about that the community needs to know, definitely uh, let us know in the chat right here. And if we have any new viewers also in the chat, let me know where you're watching from. Would love to acknowledge your presence. And then there's a number above my head, 313-462-0027. That number is for you to let your voice be heard. So with that being the case, I will acknowledge a couple people's presence uh, and then get right into the primary article this evening and then go from there, see where it takes us. Won't be on long tonight, but wanted to cover some things. Spirit King is in the building. How you doing, Spirit? We got Scott. We got Joshua. We got Kenneth. We got Frank. We got Excalibur. Low blood pressure. We got Nathaniel. We got Pat. Got low blood pressure from Corpus Christi, Texas. We got B.A. Dennison says, I saw you're a part of the On the Chain. That's cool. Watching from Orange County, New York. Okay, welcome. Um, on the Chain. Not sure what that is. But uh, let's keep it moving. So with that being the case, uh, debt. Once again, it's one of those subjects that we can't avoid uh, because uh, it has taken over our this current system as a whole, it's comprised of debt, made of debt. Without debt, it doesn't move forward, and therefore debt needs to be addressed. And so right now we're reaching a point of complete debt saturation where there's no way of resolving the debt issue in a reasonable manner where there will not be a lot of casualties. And so debt uh, in the way that it's been created, the way that it's been uh pretty much positioned in everyone's lives. At some point, everyone's kind of obligated to uh, take on some form of debt, whether it be through financing something or another, or just to enjoy some of the finer things in life. Most people tend to want to finance it through credit and things of that nature. So with that being the case, uh, recently IMF came out with some interesting information. And so of course the night title has been altered, but it's one of the things that they can't say or the mainstream news can't publish as far as how the debt, uh, the debt, I can't say that uh, the first two words because I, it'll be flagged immediately, but how debt has become a concern. And it ultimately, no matter what form or fashion, whether it's public, private, 
whatever. It all boils down to impact your financial future. So if you had a chance to watch the article I did or, or the video I did earlier, I talked about financial security, how that uh, concept uh, was overhyped because it never really take, took into consideration the impacts of monetary and fiscal policy as they're colliding right now. So global debt is at an all-time high. And once again, we're given a figure, but it's one, once again, that's on the surface. There's always more to the story than we'll ever know in the reality. And so with that being the case, you know, we can take what's been given with us and use that as uh, something to work with. So that being the case, we got Matthew, we got Road to Me, we got... Uh, so pick up cast of reporters for a new show. Somebody must have looked like you, but oh, no problem. <laughs> we got Alan. <laughs> yeah, send me that and uh, send that uh, picture to me in the in the chat. A link to that. I would like to see that one. <laughs> um, anyway, but with that being the case, let me dive right into it. And so I put together pretty much two articles, but yet once again, subject matter is the same: global debt. And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna share my thoughts with you and let you know. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't take someone with a PhD to kind of gather and to come up with a hypothesis as to how it's going to end and i'm not making light of the situation but yet it's one of the things when you kind of know the ending of the story you can kind of prepare it and to find a way to take it and, and to process it in a different light but let's get right into the very first one so here we have an article here uh and this is from where is this from this is from yahoo news let me zoom in some so we can get a little bit better this is from the global debt surges to record high of 188 trillion. And so that's just the debt that is public or private. And of course, they're going to say a lot of this is more on the private side. But yet governments last decade has you know definitely added to their expenditures as well as central banks has added to their balance sheets to kind of keep this thing plastered up. But give an idea what's going on here. We have the new it looks like the new. OK, that's going away. Let me go back here. So for whatever reason, so it looks like we have the new International Fund Managing Director, Kristalina Georgieva. And so it looks like she's Christine Lagarde's replacement. So not sure of her background, but clearly in order to take this position, you have to be in on the on the scheme. So she's definitely someone. And I'm actually I'm going to actually try to find out a little background information on her. Give me a second. I figure I would do this just to see what her background is to see if she has any economics in her in her background. And so it says she's a, a Bulgarian economist who is the managing director of IMF. She worked as the chief executive of the World Bank and she served as the acting president of the World Bank Group. And she previously served as a vice president of the European Commission under Jean-Claude Juncker. From 1993 to 2000, she served in a number of positions in the World Bank Group. So once again, the World Bank Group, BIS, IMF, all entities created around that whole global, uh, the Bretton Woods idea and concept of placing the dollar as a primary vehicle up until it was no longer needed and then they put together the sdr attempting to roll that out but as of now it doesn't look like that might be the case so i wonder what their plans are for us but we know there has to be a plan because when you get articles such as this saying that the debt is at record high how do you pay back 188 trillion from what we're being told how do you pay that back in an environment where everything is coming to a halt there is no growth from the standpoint of people actually being able to return a profit on much and then to nevertheless pay back the debts that they've taken out to arrive at this point so as you can see it's one of continuous cycles if no debt is created then it's hard to keep moving forward and so things are slowing down a little bit and here we go today so um 
Give you an idea, it says, while the private sector borrowing accounts for the vast majority of the total, I'll zoom in so you guys can see a little bit better. And so it says the private sector borrowing accounts for the vast majority of the debt. Make sure my volume, okay, make sure everything's good. It says the rise of, puts government and individuals at risk. And so that's why I titled this tonight's session, how it will impact your financial future, because they're telling us that at this current moment, it says the rise puts the puts governments and individuals at risk if the economy slows down. And so once again, if the economy slows down, because from what we're kind of hearing from the mainstream news, things are slowing down. So you might want to remove if and say as the economy slows down. And then here's one thing that most people may not really take in consideration. It's a matter of how much risk and what type of risk uh, will this all end up uh, end up being reflected in. And to answer that question or whatever I put out there, it's the national currencies. And so that's that's how they will calculate in total this catastrophe that's underway. And so it says global debt, both public and private, has reached an all time high of one hundred and eighty eight trillion. This amounts to two hundred and thirty percent of world output. So if you take how much is actually produced and you take how much has been borrowed into existence, we got something like clearly that's two hundred thirty percent over the world output. So you do the math there. and Let me know what you think about that one. And so this is uh, as a result. The current uh, chief said in a speech to an open to open a two day conference on debt. So once again, here's the thing that really bothers me. You have to assume that these people know kind of what's going on, what type of system they are operating and running. But then they hold conferences playing like, oh, oh it's a surprise, some mystery. Like, how does this happen? Uh, yeah. OK. It says that is up from the previous record of one hundred and sixty four trillion in 2016. So that's an additional twenty four trillion added that we're being told. And like once again, these numbers here, this is our good figures. I believe it's a lot more. And so once again, it says corporate debt accounts for about two thirds of the total. But government borrowing has risen as well. So corporate debt. So. We know that as a result of the great financial crisis, a lot of corporations experience problems. Therefore, monetary policy incentivize corporations and governments to borrow more to turn a profit at a faster pace. But then they turn those profits back into corporate buybacks, propping up the share prices, creating an artificial stimulus to their own model of, 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 of finance slash growth. And once again, as the spigot was cut off, when the tightening happened, we see what happens and it's being reflected in the repo market. Then you factor in now this repo market is going to be a continuous QE, not QE. And so once again, there's going to be major issues brewing. There are major issues brewing. And so moving on, moving on a little further. Here we go. Here's a little short little little two minute clip here that it. it sums up everything and it has to do with student debt government debt and then it talks about the all-time highs that we're having here in this country if you're in the united states of america and so it says the u.s let me zoom in for you so you factor in 188 trillion that's an all-time high 22 up 230 percent over over output and then here's something else that's really should be alarming it says the u.s public debt currently stands at a record 23 trillion so we are 
our, our, our government debt itself is a portion can be interconnected with that 188. So that let me know that, I mean, 188 is on, on a good side because I remember seeing articles, um, hell was it uh not long ago we said it was like 244 trillion so how to get 188 uh, clearly this uh article has been fudged a little bit and speaking of which while i'm ranting let me go ahead and actually find one of those older articles that talks about global debt being at 240 something trillion because i remember doing uh videos before in the past where <laughs> so just to you know, show exactly what I'm talking about, we got the IMF coming out with their figures of 188, but then we have another article that was in January of this year that says world's debt pile is hovering near a record, 244 trillion. And so once again, well, that's a big difference. That's you know, 60 some trillion give or take missing from that calculation that I, I shared with you at first. It says the global debt of to the GDP ratio exceeds 318%. And so this is from the Washington-based IIF. And so we got the IIF says it's 244. IMF says 188. There you go. You have complete confusion and which spells someone here is completely off. So take both of those numbers, put them together, and then you might have a, a more realistic total. But out of that breakdown of 244, I'll zoom in some more so you guys can see. So this is what this number just seems more reasonable. It says overall debt has grown to 244. And this is as of the third quarter of last year. So, you know, probably I missed something in, in translating this, but debt is debt. Households equate to 44.2 trillion. That means all the credit extension financing of our lifestyles is factored in here. Non-financial corporates is 68 trillion. And then we got government, 63 trillion, and financial sector, 58 trillion. So here's uh, something worth thinking about. So these are the numbers we were being given. And so you might say, okay, Mike, you know, we've been having debt for a while. What's the big deal? Okay, think about this. Just from the very subject matter or the title of this uh, live stream, it has to do with the fact that your financial future is interwoven into uh, the global debt issue. And so you know how a lot of times they, you know, not they, but the mainstream news and governments and especially presidents like to divide us with their verbiage saying that, you know, here in America, you know, we're exceptional. We're the leaders of the free world. You know, you know, we're leading in a lot of categories, of course. And one of the most alarming categories we're leading in is the national debt. Twenty three trillion is the, is the we're the most indebted nation on the planet planet. That's just our inter, intra and intergovernment uh, operations. Not to mention unfunded liabilities and you do all the way down the horn. And so you factor in that we're leading the nation in a lot of categories. It's not good. But then you got the rest of the world in the same boat. And so how does this end is what we should be concerned with the most. And I want to definitely just share my thoughts on how that might play out. And so Bitcoin Ben, appreciate the love offer, my friend. It says debt is an illusion in an inflationary currency environment. I can dig that. I can dig that 100%. And so with that statement alone, the first thing that came to my mind from your statement, Ben, is that if there's $244 trillion uh, worth of debt, that means that there has been 200, I mean, that's just a, a play it fair number, 244. There's been $244, we put it in dollar terms because it's the reserve currency, but that factors in all 
currencies equated to a dollar number in a, was it, I want to say a, a digital illusion brought into existence because mind you that there's only 1.7 trillion worth of paper dollars that tells me that the remaining 243 242.3 trillion are solely in digital obligations that have been created debits credits fractional reserve lending lots of it and so that's an issue as well because even the people as we're all interconnected in this system that tells me that if every human being on this planet decided to or wanted to attempt to go down to their bank or to call up their broker and say you know what i think i want to just withdraw some things there wouldn't be enough paper in any currency to make those debts whole so that's also something that uh once again when it's time to get out which the time has already passed because I got another article I'm going to show with you to let you know that all the big money people are already out. It's just the people who don't know they're still in. And so, uh, Dewan, I appreciate the love offering. It says, I forgot to offer you a free copy of my unreleased book, ABT Bitcoin, on the Berwick livestream call-in. Where can I send it? Dewan, I appreciate that, my friend. Do me a favor. Go to RethinkingTheDollar.com. Shoot me an email. And then we'll connect and uh, get that. And I definitely you know, would like to take a peek at it. So I appreciate that uh, love offer, my friend. Interested to get your thoughts on that as well. And uh, what else here? So let me see. I got another thought from Pad. It says, those numbers, $244 trillion does not include derivatives, which are debt. The total would make many, many times trillion. So Pad, that's very true. And and it kind of slipped my mind because I'm so focused on like the news and, and news in front of me. But since you brought that up, I think it's time to go ahead and just type in what was the latest derivatives debt? Because once again, I, I was, I was, I, you know, I, the pad. I was trying to be nice. I, I didn't want to scare off a lot of people because this, you know, this information for a lot of people can be extremely scary. And so let me pull up an article here. So here's something just popped up. And so let me see here. No, well, let me see. Let me see. Let me go back. And so let me, uh, here's an interesting article here. And this is a little bit old, but I don't want to use this one. So give me a second. Let me find something that will be worthy of bringing to your existence, to your presence. Uh, let me see. Let me see if there's anything really, really good out here. I see what can, okay. I see, I see something talking about quadrillion. I see something says 555. And so here's the thing to be truthful. We really don't know. Because we're being given figures that are provided by the very same institutions that would not really want us to know how much in, in its entirety is actually out there. Because, okay, here goes something. Uh, here goes something that might, it sounds interesting. So here's an interesting article. And so I'll put this on the screen. So this is from Global Research, and this was, when was this? This was as of 2015, and so this is something that we can use as a guide because this is 
four years old now. And so if it's if it says uh, along with credit default swaps and other exotic instruments, exotic instruments, the total notional derivatives value is about one point five quadrillion, about 20 percent more than 2008. And so if it was one point five quadrillion, according to their estimates. And so this looks like a reputable site. Um, then that would lead me to believe that since the whole that was still kind of during the QE phase, so I would imagine that just off the the reassurance that the globally systemic banks had in regards to the central banks coming to bail them out still and provide liquidity for them, the the rivers was probably increasing exponentially at that point. And so here we got 1.5 quadrillion. And so Alan Myers, the forensic accountant, will be back on real soon and so he's going to actually try to break down the concept of trying to think about a quadrillion because I, I can't fathom i can't even put that into an example for you guys but just to use the word quadrillion like who would have ever thought you know i'm sure 20 30 years ago my grandparents would have never even knew how to spell quadrillion nevertheless think that we would be we would be even using the word quadrillion on our lips but um if you factor in 244 that what we've been told plus 1.5 trillion four years ago. So it's probably good to say it's 2 trillion worth 2 quadrillion. See, here I go. 2 quadrillion worth of derivatives now mixed with all types of exotic instruments as this article said. The derivatives are, are so unfathomable <laughs> that there's no way of really grabbing a hold of what they are unless you're in that industry. So I've had people respond to me saying that, you know, you know, there's a lot of, you know, good things in there that can be good for investing purposes. Of course, no doubt. But you got to know what you're doing in order to, to actually benefit from those things. And unfortunately, the average person, 7.69999 billion people on the planet don't know nothing about a derivative. Nevertheless, even probably realize the, that, that, that we're using the words quadrillion now are the ones that are at risk. So this plays back even more so to the concept of your financial future being directly connected to all this subject matter because all of these numbers that i'm throwing out there 244 188 we got a call let's see what's going on hello caller what's your name where you calling from uh one second i apologize give me one second one second got the wrong got the wrong thing plugged in i gotta come prepare it forgive me all right caller hello what's your name where you calling from this is Pat from Alabama. Pat from Alabama. How are you doing this evening, my friend? What's on your mind? Doing quite well. Uh, you know, we've seen the repo market last couple of months. Mm -hmm. Everybody's been scared like little rabbits and everything. Could it possibly be that Deutsche Bank has already gone belly up and they haven't told us yet? It is. And so, Pat... I appreciate you for saying that because I'm you are you right you got me thinking. So clearly, a lot of those funds that happen to be popping up, I mean, I, I, I get still get tweets every now and then. Tell me the exact number, but it's so it's just unbelievable. There's billions and billions, and hundreds of billions, hundreds of billions. So no doubt that those funds could be being funneled through derivatives, or not through the Deutsche Bank bank here, right over up to the mother mothership over in Germany to help things out over there so i wouldn't be surprised if that was you know they were they were definitely uh on the phone talking to somebody trying to get some help somewhere and 
because it'll be hard for Deutsche Bank to really sell the ECB amongst all the issues they're having now already been in negative territory. By us having, you know, 2% interest rates over here, we they, they can probably, you know, buy themselves some time by being subsidized by the Federal Reserve on the on the low through this repo action. So, Pat, you are on to something, I believe. That's my I believe you're on to something, my friend. Yeah, I feel like something has happened about two or three months ago that we're feeling right now. And uh, we're going to really feel it. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing. If, say, for example, I, I would be very confident to say some of those funds that are being lent overnight or daily or however they swing that, they're happening, they're making their way over to the European area, I would assume. And here's the thing. It's better than that. Yeah. The federal bank is buying their bad debt. Yeah. Their bad stock and whatnot. Those, those non-performing loans, which are plentiful, those those products are plentiful in Europe because of negative interest rates and all the defaults and the fact that Italy's failing, uh, Portugal, Spain's, everybody, all the all the pigs nations are failing. Which you know, just gonna, they're taking a lot of a lot of other countries down with them. So Germany went from being in a surplus forever to all of a sudden now having a recession. Like, come on now, what happened? So they were subsidizing the rest of those uh, other countries there, and it come back to bite them in the foot. So good stuff, man. I appreciate that thought because you definitely got me on. You on to something? Well, I'm gonna let you go and uh, let you think about what happened about three months ago, and you might put two and two together. Mm. Three you months have fun ago. now. Mm, no, don't leave me hanging. Don't leave me hanging, Pat. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> I'll fill in the blank for you. Please do. Uh, it happened in April when the BISH, the uh, Bank of International Settlement, mm. said that they would accept gold at its 100% value. Mm. Okay, that Basel, the, I think and the Basel three situation or something like that, wasn't it? Yep, and mm. it's kind of wrinkling its way on through. Okay, hey. But uh, something big has happened, like I said, three months ago along that line. No, but but one thing three months ago was, I think it was August, if I'm not mistaken, it was the actual resolving of the LIBOR uh, overnight lending uh, rig rigging system and every nation went their own way. And so that was one reason why nations started to now have to come up with their own mechanism for discovering the borrowing costs amongst yeah, themselves. So two years to do that. No, yeah, but here's the thing. That SOFR, which is what the U.S. is supposed to be using in September, that by it spiking up overnight to 10.7% and everything froze up. And then if Jerome Powell saying, we're trying to figure out why the banks decided not to lend to each other. Like, you know, they, they obviously, it's more than that, of course, but... That 10.5% interest rate within a couple of hours spooked a lot of people. And then the next day, the repo action started. And that was two months ago. And so we're above $400 oh, let me billion. Tell you, brother. Yeah. If they find out that uh, money is leaving the Fed, going overseas in large quantities, it's, it's going to be pitchfork and torch time. When people are hurting over here and living on the street. Yeah, but here's the thing. And uh, I, 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 that that would be something that would be ideal because that's something that people should be up and irate about. But problem is, once again, majority of the population are they're not paying attention to 
monetary events. Nevertheless, financial events, because they're concerned with their own personal economies, working, provide for your and family, inflation. one other thing. They're discriminating mm-hmm. badly against a group of people that have orange hair. Orange hair? <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. Yeah, they spend a lot of time worrying about people with orange hair or a person with orange hair and an orange face. But, hey, Pat, I appreciate you, my friend. <laughs> I mean, you know a lot of people with orange hair, too, brother. <laughs> you have uh, fun. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> be good. Oh, man. Good stuff, man. I appreciate the call, Pat. Oh, goodness. Uh, orange. Oh, yeah. So let's keep moving, man. I, I appreciate that. And so just to, to, to keep moving right along. And so here, here's what I want to you know, throw out to you guys. If all these issues are starting to you know boil up to the top they're making their way to the surface to where now the common the, the, the commoner the person who probably knew nothing about derivatives or debt or or any of this stuff now it's starting to get wind i believe that the alternative media community is growing and it's going to grow more because people will start wondering and asking questions and so my question to you guys is if you if you know that things are shaky, vulnerable. There's a lot of volatility. We have a president that's bent on tweeting every 48 hours that the economy couldn't be any better while all these issues are are happening around us. You know, for the video I did earlier about there's primarily been two ways of thinking now. You stick to what you've been doing or you rewrite the script. You think inside the box or you're outside the box. Where where you where you where do you stand and so and where do you stand and what are your strategies what are you doing because your financial future is at stake as all this debt increases because there's only one way out of all of this debt and that is devaluing the currencies to present an illusion that they can then pay off the currency with cheaper national currencies. And so it all boils down to what are you holding? And if you are a person, and of course this is my opinion, if you're a person that's expecting some type of contractual obligation that has been sold to you as a financial instrument, you are probably, um, there's a very high percentage that you're going to be let down, whether it be through outright um, denial of you, your ability to exit in time so your funds will be frozen, locked in, to monetary policy will continue to increase, therefore the monetary base will expand, therefore your number of whatever it is you're holding will increase in creating the illusion of a higher net worth. Like if you, whatever your property is now, it's good to say that for the next year or two, the housing prices will go up even more because of the illusion of, uh, um, of the, of the value of it being going up now, now I'm the value, but the, I can't say intrinsic, but I can say what other type of value would I use to refer to, um, currency i got some i did i did a video about four or five different types of value i can't think of other ones now but you can easily your net worth if it's in 
denominated in a national currency can easily double or triple. But then you got to ask yourself, what can you get out of it? What can you get with it? And so if you became a millionaire on paper moving forward, at the same time, the purchasing power of that paper is being <laughs> diminished. You're, you know, you, you won't be able to really do much with it in a sense. And so that is a way of wealth destruction, capital destruction. And, it, and, and that's the only route because you look at history, every nation has gone this way of trying to print their way out. Like they promised that they can make every paper they want. But the question is they can't guarantee what it will purchase. So once again, risk the risk falls on you the viewer if you're watching this if you are not thinking outside the box and if you're inside the box you are going to be the sole bearer of all the risk because as i mentioned the big money's already out so i'm about to go to another article here that um should make you think a little bit so here's an article here that i came across um this was as of yesterday but i, I was saving this for, for a special occasion. So this seems like a special occasion. And so this is a result as of the repo market. So here we have Janus, which is a financial firm. Janus Henderson Group PLC is bracing for a repeat of September's repo market turmoil to play out in the final weeks of 2019. So Janus Henderson Group PLC I've heard them before, and I, and I can't think of the, the gentleman name. Let me pull it up right now. Let me pull this up. So, Janison, Janice Henderson. So, the Janison Henderson Group PLC, give you an idea of what type of corporation this is. They got 2,000 employees, publicly traded company, New York Stock, Stock Exchange, S&P 500. Um, they've been, they were founded two years ago in the UK. Chairman's Gilwater, whatever. And their operating income is $442 million, net income $2,655. And so this is a pretty big firm. And they specialize in financial products to individuals, intermediary advisories, and institutional investors globally are under trade here. So they handle big money. They're handling big money for a lot of people. And so here we have them publicly, you know, mentioned in Bloomberg, and they're, they're, they're concerned. They're talking about turmoil that will unfold as the fourth quarter of 2019 ends because the repo market was sold to the public saying that Q3 ended and there was issues on liquidity bit of institutions being able to meet obligations, whatever. So, you know, it's a shortage of cash, shortage of cash. And so here, this article here, basically what they're saying is they now are positioning themselves in cash. They're getting heavy now in cash. They're sitting on a lot of cash now. Because they see an opportunity for Q4 as things come to an end that they're going to try to get in and take advantage of the need for liquidity. So they're going to be putting cash to work by lending it out themselves to profit. And they're talking about typically keeps up about 5% of his holding cash. He said he's looking to increase that pile and then deploy it as banks step back. And so basically they're looking to become financiers in the next couple of weeks and turn a profit off of this. So this ain't the first time I've mentioned about heavy cash. And to give you an idea of, of who's sitting on the most cash, um, I'll show you because I saw an article uh, about uh, 
let me see how uh, I'm sure if you guys have been paying attention uh, let me see here I will give you the rundown and so let me see let me see if I can find it so here's an article oh, so this is fresh this is a fresh article like literally 30 minutes ago here we go right on time here are the 10 companies with the most cash on hand leading the way is Uncle Buffett Uncle Buffett is sitting ready to go shopping in 2020, 2021. Uncle Buffett going to become the wealthiest young man on the planet in Federal Reserve note terms. He won't be the wealthiest because the wealthiest are the families that own the central banks, but you get what I'm saying. But it says companies with the most cash on hand. And then this is another thing. This is another reason why I'm going to explain why I think this is important to understand. Companies with the most cash on hand, Microsoft, one. And so this is, I thought, I want to say this is a 30. I want to say I saw somewhere where Uncle Buffett just decided, I think he went above Microsoft, but obviously this is fresh, so probably not. Microsoft, 136. Yeah, I think, yeah, I saw somewhere where Uncle Buffett was more than 136, but I could be, I thought, I thought it was 138. Anyway, so if that, if that, what I saw and had in mind is true, this is a little bit outdated. But we'll roll with it. Microsoft, 136. Berkshire Hathaway, 128. Alphabet, which is Google, 121. Apple, 100. Facebook, 52. Amazon, 43. Ford, Oracle, Cisco, and beyond. These are people who are sitting on heavy cash. So you got to ask yourself a question. Why are all these companies sitting on cash? They they ultimately know how this is going to come to an end as far as the world being indebted and it being denominated in cash. The answer is simple. They are sitting heavy in cash so that when things tank, they're, they're immediately going to redeem those notes, redeem those accounts. So Uncle Buffett is going to literally, as I mentioned before, in my, in my opinion, Uncle Buffett is going to be looking to buy cities. He's going to be looking to buy towns, roads, mountains, anything with a price tag on it will definitely be on sale. So imagine what 128 billion could get you if everything was well then. And I'm just you know I like to just throw out you know just you know I've talked to a lot of I've had a lot of great guests on the show and so from all those guests you take all those thoughts you put it into one one little sentence. The prediction is you know 70 percent market correction to everything. So housing, stocks, you know uh, uh, Michael Pinto. I have I'm having Michael Pinto. Back on the show again. And you know Michael Pinto, he's one of those guys that says, you know, he, he just be blunt. 90% stock market crash. Like, you know, he he paints a very serious picture. And so imagine an environment where everything tangible and real in the form of what your average person has saved up for, worked hard for, and accumulated as a part of their net worth portfolio, all of a sudden going on sale for 70%, 80% off. And, and and this is a most extreme worst case scenario. God forbid, I hope it doesn't get to that point. But it's one of the things you just got to throw it out there and say, you know, you weren't surprised. You know, that's how that's how outrageous things can actually be because of the of the monetary fiscal policy that continues to kick the can down the road. The further the can is kicked, the further you suppress a correction, the only more pressure that's building up underneath to where it, when it explodes, it's going to be worse than what it was if they would just let, let it correct. But just think about this. So these individuals are sitting on cash at the same time, 
Debt is going through the roof. Debt is going to, as a result of all the stuff going on, monetary fiscal policy, government is going to triple, double. You know, central bank is going to print, print, print. You know, and so before all that happens, all these companies know that their 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 portfolio stands to be lost due to devaluation of currencies. And so Microsoft has major plans like Bill Gates. He will probably try to buy Africa like Bill Gates is heavily in Africa right now with all the stuff he's doing, good or bad. Let you do the home, you do your homework. But Bill Gates will definitely try to buy a country. And because of economic hardship of governments, it'll be a lot easier to come in there and offer government subsidies aka buying rights and buying things like never before so expect these companies here that are heavy cash facebook apple they're going to be even bigger and so that is what the big boys are doing and then i, I haven't got into some of the other things that they're going to be using to store their cash in which of course be metals i think i think i saw something about microsoft or apple 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 bought a large stash of silver, if I'm not mistaken, a couple years ago. So they're sitting on a hoard of silver, if I'm not mistaken. Or they'll have access to whatever they can get. And if they buy a whole... If, my, if Bill Gates going to Africa and literally subsidize the Congo, he'll definitely be able to, to provide silver for Microsoft at fraction of the cost with no problem because he's bought a country and bought all the people in the country. So... Yeah, so you know this is this is just some some worst case off the cuff. I'm probably talking way beyond what I should be talking tonight, but this is what's going on, man. And I thought I would share this because this is where debt is. Uh, this is where debt hits the surface. This is where things really begin to meet the road and and become problematic. And so you know your financial future, my financial future, we're all caught in the middle of this. We are the unfortunately might be the casualties of economic monetary. I would say warfare against the people, but that's a very dark and dark, dark statement, which I'm not going to go that route. But like always, once if you're warned, if you're if you're aware, if you know what's going on, you have opportunity to do two things. Stay in the box. Think outside the box. It's on you. And so the question is, if you start thinking outside the box, then you have to become innovative. You got to find ways to if you, you know, because, you know, more than likely, you know, you're probably not sitting on a billion. But you could be sitting on a hundred dollars. You could be sitting on a thousand dollars. And then there's, I believe, there's ways of weathering the storm, even though it's going to hurt. This pain will be here inevitably. But a lot of it is how you look at it. And so, with every problem that will surface, there's always opportunity. There's opportunity. There will be more opportunity in this next decade if you know how and if you're wanting to be a solution to somebody's problem. There's room for you uh, with that. So, yeah, and that's why I like I'm not doom and gloom. I'm just stating numbers, showing you what's going on, sharing my opinions about it and letting you guys kind of process it. But this is, uh, you know, this is what's going on, man. This is stuff that you, we can't avoid. It's inevitable, but it is what it is. Pat says, Michael Pinto may be your most credible guest you have on. Ah, Michael Pinto, you know, I, I, I like Mike. I've had a chance to speak to Mike a couple of times now. So, you know, he's definitely real. I like the fact he's unapologetic. He's very um, just straight to the straight to the point. And I like that. He don't sugarcoat it. He paints a very dire picture because also as a businessman, he's in the business of, of, of positioning his services as a solution. So he'll paint the worst picture possible. Then say you need a money manager like me. 
to take care of you. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing. So, you know, but that's, you know, if you Mike, you know, definitely Mike does a good job what he does. So, you know, he wrote the book about the bond collapse way before because he actually sees some things. So no doubt he knows how to navigate a little bit. But once again, it doesn't take a PhD to navigate. And so, I, you know, just to, 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 to kind of like give you like an inside clue as to where all this is and how all this plays out, which could and hopefully can provide you somewhat of an optimistic viewpoint. Because everything I'm talking about today, everything I've shared as far as all these articles talking about debt and giving you numbers and throwing out all types of scenarios, they're all denominated in national currencies. All of this are they're all denominated in national currencies. Our lives, national currencies, national currencies, whatever country you might be watching from, is the intermediary between you, your your skill, your labor, your talent, your gift. And so we got the national currencies in the middle. And on this side, we got the goods and services, the tangible things. You, goods and services. Intermediary is the problem. But there, there's not only one intermediary. There's so many different options people can get to know that can serve as a way for you to get across. For From your skill and labor to, to, to paying your bills, there's many ways to get to the other side. You don't have to solely depend upon your national currency. And that's where people may not be so as in tune. So... Once again, it takes innovation, thinking outside the box, and you can figure out, you know, multiple ways of doing such. And so definitely, uh, when there's a will, there's a way. And so I think that a lot of people here know what's going on. So as always, I wouldn't be saying get your weight up if, if weight wasn't important, if weight wasn't part of the equation. And then anything on top of weight is you being willing to admit that, you know, you're speculating, assuming that they will appreciate. But then once again, be careful of how you value their appreciation because once again you're valuing it in a term referenced in in the problem in the form of the problem of these national currencies so the measuring you got to have a measuring stick the problem is because there's no standard there's no true standard outside of national currency national currencies by themselves unbacked have become standards they're not a good measuring stick that's a problem so you need something that you can measure against that has been proven tested against time and then that's where the importance of metals come into play because you're you're you can depend upon the time concept for now. I believe there will come a time where the time concept will not matter because technology will make it irrelevant. But in the meantime, use history as a guide. Use history as a guide and as a measuring stick. And I think, uh, my personal opinion, you'd be better off than if you didn't have some something to measure against. So, yeah, man, that's that's it. That's it for tonight. I think I've rant long enough. Not much activity on the phones tonight. You guys must have been. Uh, either glued in or um, just having fun in the chat without me. So either way, <laughs> but it's been fun hanging out as always, man. I appreciate you guys listening to me rant and, you know, having give me an outlet to some of my thoughts. I appreciate it. As always, if you've enjoyed the back and forth, don't be afraid to click the button beneath this video and, and you can click that one or that one, whatever floats your boat. Anyway, go it takes energy to lift a hand and touch something and then that would be definitely appreciated because the goal is the more thumbs up we can get for these videos, the more opportunity strangers, those that are not in the community, will have a chance to find out this information that impacts them. And so we got two little thoughts to get off. It says, what do you think the next indicator is we should look for for the collapse? Um, Get off my lawn. I, get off my lawn. Okay. <laughs> I was a little slow on that one. Um. To be honest, my personal opinion is all the indicators you need is present. Like, I, you know, the next indicator, 
I, I, what I'm saying is I don't think we should wait for an indicator that's outright obvious to the world. And so the moment an indicator comes that a person who is not in the alternative media world uh, knows about, that means it's too late. So right now, majority of the public are being entertained by sports and all types of distractions. So they're not aware but if you wait for an indicator, that means that those people will have been informed. And then at that point, the people at the very back of the building, when they get the news last, that's the worst time to start acting. Because if you're in the back of the building, the chance of you getting to the door, if it's in the front, is non-existent. And so right now, you have a front row seat and witnessing all the indicators you should need to begin thinking outside the box. So um, I, I'll leave it at that and go from there. <laughs> but I wouldn't wait for an indicator because I ha I personally have more than enough to realize that things are, you know, things are, you know, not as, uh, I'm not as confident, put like that, as um, a lot of people. It says, Mike, tell us a great Bible, Bible verse about the Bible. Low blood pressure. No, you didn't. No, you didn't just ask me for a Bible verse right now because I got one for you, man. This is something that, eh, let me see here. I'm going I'm to pull this up and I'm going to show you because this is not my opinion. That's the good part about scripture. It's not my opinion. And that's why, you know, I, I, I can't offend anybody because this is just not mine. This, this is not me. This is just me sharing something with you. But here's something that moving forward, I will definitely um, I will definitely be talking more about because let me pull this up here. Let me pull up the whole thing. Let me pull this up here. And this and this is this is this is a good verse that I think a lot of people. You know, it, it takes it, it's a. Uh, Oh, let me go back a little bit. So I got it in front of me because I look at this verse often, I must admit, because I try to, you know, the best way to understand something is to meditate on it. Let me, uh, okay, I got it right here. So I'm trying to find a great version because I use a variety of versions to, to get context. So let me, me, let me see. Okay, let me see this one. Let me see if this this how this sounds. Just because it's one of them and I don't like that perk. Let me, I'm going to give you, let me, let me, let me, I'm going to do the Amplify. Let me see the Amplify version. See if that helps. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll share this with you. So this is a verse here that I particularly like. And I think it's very, it's one of the things that takes you beyond even the subject matter I talk about. So this, this is, this goes beyond. And so, Okay. Let me share, I'm going to share this and I'm going to hang up because I can go on forever. There's different ways. There's different angles at which we can take things. We got natural. We got spiritual. We got natural, spiritual, and um, yeah, just say natural and spiritual. So the natural elements. So a lot of things about rethinking a doubt are, are just natural elements I talk about. Practical matters. Just like, you know, preparation. If you see a storm coming, you know, it's it's, it's, it's practical to prepare. And so that's stuff within your control. But then you have the spiritual element of things, which is, to me, the core of every single thing in existence. Everything we see with our eyes has a spiritual element to it. 
And then we can go into quantum physics, which I'm studying that as well. Talking about energy matter and stuff like that. All very interesting stuff. Because it just, it just, to me, verifies and, and verifies biblical stuff. But I'll get to that later. So I, I will be going down that road more often because I just have to share. But anyway, here's a quote here. And this is one thing that I think is, is, is remarkable to me. It's Proverbs chapter 8, verse 9 and 11. And so Proverbs was a portion of the book that was reportedly written by the person that was labeled the most wisest human being on the planet, Solomon. So these are the thoughts that came out of the mind of Solomon that was translated on script in, in the Hebrew Translating to Greek, translating to New Kings, and translating to whatever else we want to do now. So it's not necessarily the words itself. Don't take them. Don't take the words as like law. Take the context and the principles in the word. It's the principles that you can get out the words that make the most sense. Because even if you don't believe in it, that's okay. But just think about the 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 the, the nutrients of these words. Anyway, so here we go. I, I'll read it, sweet, and I'm gonna hang up after this. It says Proverbs, and it's it, it's referring to a a, a certain category and that category it's it's all about wisdom and then it, t- it talks more about wisdom in, in other books but it says quote they are all straightforward to him who understands with an open and willing mind and write to those who find knowledge and live by it referring to this is about wisdom and, and god's words and things of that nature if i was to move up to other verses and then it says, just talking about the importance of having wisdom. It says, take my instruction. And this is a character known as wisdom speaking. Take my instruction rather than seeking silver and take knowledge. So you got instruction and then you got knowledge. It says, take instruction rather than seeking silver and take knowledge rather than the choices. Or it says the finest gold in other versions. And then it tells you why it says for wisdom is better than rubies. And so you think about it here, it talks about, and this is, this is text. This text is hundreds of, you know, you know, you know, 2000 plus years old of longer, actually about 3,600, 3,600 years, whatever, whatever. So you just look, listen, listen to this. It says it, it, it lists in this, Subject matter, the very same things we we probably we pretty much from a natural standpoint we prioritize as being of extreme importance because they're they're financial monetary instruments, and so that's how we think in this current text of preserving ourselves. It says instead of seeking silver, instead of seeking gold, wisdom is better than rubies, and so ruby, silver, and gold are the three ultimate forms of wealth you could have probably had at this time. And Solomon is saying that I got Solomon had all this. He said I got all this, and wisdom is better than that. And then it says here, it says, and all desirable things cannot compare to her, her referring to wisdom as a reference wisdom in the Greek or in the Hebrew, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew is translated Sophia. Sophia, of course, is a female's name. And so it's a lot of connotation to a female and how the scripture is, is, is uh, translated. But sweet and simple, this is just things that really excite me because it helps shift my priorities. And so it's basically telling me your main objective for life in this current environment should be to get wisdom because through wisdom, you'll get so much more outside of the finest silver, finest gold and rubies and anything else you place of high esteem and high value for yourself. Wisdom far surpasses that. And so this is one of the scriptures that 
it speaks volumes to me because it's one of the things where the person who wrote wrote this he's a credible guy and if it came from him or just the very concept itself gives me a sense of like okay let me let me think about that a little bit because you know i'm up here talking about gold and silver as being the anchor of everything well you know, you know, if you if you read more of this, you you get the idea that you can do all you want to do to prepare, but you can't preserve your life. You can you can preserve some wealth. You can you know what I'm saying be rich on this side, the next side of collapse, but yet with wisdom you get so much more, and it goes beyond financial. And so, so I'm gonna be incorporating a lot of this spiritual elements along with the natural because complete preparation has to do more so with your soul than your bank account or your pockets money comes and goes time and opportunity to impact other people's lives you do not get that back so anyway i'm tired of preaching forgive me if i went overboard but once again i had to share this so expect more of this so if you guys want to hear more of this definitely throw me a thumbs up over here in the chat so i'll know that people are interested in this subject matter and then if you're not Throw me a thumbs up, too, because you're going to get it regardless if you are a viewer of RTD. So <laughs> anyway, people, it's been great hanging out as always, man. Natural preparation is one thing. So there's always opportunities for you to get knowledge, get wisdom and get physical, tangible goods. All that information is down below. And so once again, I wouldn't I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about opportunities to get natural in RTD. Silver coins still available. So one of the things where it's available, you have to prepare. Take advantage of the natural side of things. But as you mentioned, as I just mentioned, the spiritual far surpasses that. So um, do the best you can. But all that, stay prayed up, be blessed. And other than that, people, be safe. And if you want to support the channel at a higher level, your support is always welcome. Patreon, there's opportunities for you guys to contribute any form or fashion you want and be a part of the program. And uh, definitely, it will be a blessing. Because I, I have some projects I'm working on that I will be of great value to you, I, I promise. So that been the case i am done ranting it is late it feels and it's been close to an hour that's longer than i typically can go but other than that if you've enjoyed the back and forth thumbs up other than that, i'll see you guys later share this information or go throughout this video and grab some articles send it to a friend and so you're you're loving people by sharing information that impacts their future as well don't hog this information to yourself share it other than that Hey there, sorry for this interruption, but I wanted to bring something to your attention. If you've been enjoying this live stream, why don't you partner with me and be a support to the channel via Patreon membership for just a minimum of $5 a month. All you have to do is scroll down beneath this video here, click the Patreon link, then consider donating as little as $5 a month toward the channel. A little bit of crumbs can go a long way, and I appreciate your support. Now, let's get back to this live stream.